there was a lot of not saying anything but both being interested and then finally he said would I like to go out and I thought okay and that's kind of where it, where it went from. You're listening to The Spoken Project. Today it's Em's turn to speak. Her story begins where all good romance stories start, in the hallways of University College. My room was about four doors down from his room and yeah, we just got to know each other and I thought he was really funny, really easy to get along with. Um, we, I thought we had quite similar values and similar backgrounds. Alex was Em's first serious boyfriend, and things kind of move quickly as they do when you live a mere textbook's throwaway. And she says things were going pretty smoothly for the first few months, until her birthday in September of 2007. We'd been dating for maybe three months, and I thought things were really good. He came to give me birthday cake, which was really nice, but then I could kind of sense something was a bit off, and being who I am, I didn't let that rest. And I went fishing for what was going on. He was very unsure if he was committed to it. He said he just didn't know if it was right and he didn't really feel strongly enough about me. And we ended up splitting up then. Um, but then after that, at the end of the year, he re-decided that he would like to go out again. And... Stupidly, I agreed, which people kind of said to me, oh, I don't know about this, or he's really flippant and seems to change his mind a lot and probably doesn't know what he wants. But um, yeah, so we got back together. Em says a lot of their relationship was based around their shared faith. Alex and Em went to an Anglican church together in Melbourne and shared a lot of the same values. Alex had grown up in a Catholic family, but he stopped identifying as Catholic as a teenager. But in the middle of 2009, he visited his sister, who was at a Catholic missionary school in Sydney. One night, he rang M. I remember talking to him on the phone, and he said, I think I might consider becoming a Catholic again. And at the time, because I've had very little to do with Catholicism, that just freaked me right out, and I had no idea what to do with that information and so he spent a long time saying to me I'm not sure if I want to I don't know if it's the right thing to do um, and he's been a good kind of three or four months not making a decision. If you're listening to this and you're not a Christian you might be thinking what's the big deal I mean they both believe in God that's got to be better than nothing but you got to understand from their perspective it actually was a big deal there are some big differences between the Catholic and Protestant faith mainly to do with the way people are saved. And, I mean, that's not to mention a whole lot of cultural differences between Catholicism and Protestantism. Em says while Alex thought about whether or not to revert, he stopped going to church altogether and he started to turn to friends for advice. I did not know what he was going to decide and I felt very torn. I didn't know if I could identify with that faith with him, but at the same time I didn't. I didn't want to be non-Catholic and him be Catholic and that have that gap between us. I think, I think both of us were really just clinging. We didn't want to lose the relationship, but we both were changing. Well, he was changing and I was staying the same. 
see, I look back and I think, oh, that should have been the time to leave. But I didn't. And I, in fact, got engaged instead, which is ridiculous in hindsight. Emma says the wedding created a kind of common goal, something to rally around. And so in a weird way, their relationship actually got a little better during the engagement. But she says as the wedding approached, she noticed Alex's heart just wasn't in it. I really, I don't know what happened for him. I really don't. Um, All I know is that it came to a point, it was five weeks before the wedding. I knew things were bad. I knew I was very stressed. I was very confused and conflicted and he'd always said to me you know he said I love you and um he could see it into the future but yeah so he kind of kept making promises that things will be fine and you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pull out I'm not gonna call it off we'll be fine and in fact I think it was a week before maybe it was two weeks my mum had called him I think she was quite well, they'd gone on a walk together. That's right. We went back home to visit. And mum said to him, she could sense that something was not good. And she said, look, if you want to get out, Alex, now's the time to do it. Like she gave him that option. And he said, no, 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 no. This is what I want. This is um, this is what we both want. So I thought, you know, if he's saying that to my mum, everything will be fine. Everything will be fine. And I thought look, it's just the stress leading up and I'm sure once we actually get married and that things will settle down and things will be okay. You know this feeling, don't you? Who doesn't know that feeling when your head can see where things are headed but your heart just doesn't want to admit the possibility that everything is crumbling and so you just keep soldiering on. Em just kept planning the wedding while Alex maintained everything was going to be all right. A few weeks out from the wedding, Alex had organised a marriage counselling session with a Catholic priest. On the day they were due to see him, Alex emailed Em at work, telling her he'd cancelled the meeting and he wanted to speak to her in person. So it was lunchtime at school and um, the kids were outside playing and so I gave him a call and I just said, look, I got your email, what's going on? And he was really distant and didn't say a lot. He just said, I think we need to talk tonight instead of seeing this guy. And so I said, okay, what do we need to talk about? And he said, I don't think, he said, I think we should postpone the wedding. And at that point, as soon as he said that, I just went into a state of, I don't know, maybe just shock. And I just started to panic, really panic. I did not know. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what I should do. Um, And I didn't know what he was thinking. And I could just feel the whole thing coming unraveled very quickly. They arranged to meet in a park that evening. The park happens to be right around the corner from my house. And Em hadn't been back since she and Alex had that conversation two years ago. Until now. We've come to the park where Alex um, had his chat with you. What kind of memories does this park have? Well, today it has memories of just sadness. For a long time it had memories of of anger and frustration and confusion, but now I just feel really sad being here, thinking about what we had and what we lost and how it happened as well. Like, it just happened in a terrible way. Yeah. 
What did happen? So when we got here, yeah, I could tell very quickly that postponing the wedding was actually not what he had in mind. So I talked to him about, I tried to be really calm because I could feel inside of me dwelling up all of these questions. Questions like, when, when do you want to have it? What are we going to do about the bookings? Everything's paid for. What are you going to tell my parents? What are we going to tell our friends? Invites have gone out. How do we change all the dates? All those logistical questions. But I, start, I tried to stay really calm and just get to the, the heart of what was going on. I said, well, okay, so you want to postpone. All right. Uh, why do you want to postpone and when do you want to postpone to? And he said, I want to postpone because we need more time to work out our differences. And I said, okay, I think that's true. When would you like to change it to? And he said, oh, look, I don't have a date in mind. I don't think we should set a date. I think we just need more time. And I I am proud of myself for for this point. I could have just said to him, okay, fine, we'll stay together and we'll call it off and um, just stay together. But I, I think I felt at this point, no, I was at the end of my tether. And I said to him, no, that's not an option. I said, if you want to postpone it, that's fine, but I need some Uh, I need some surety from you that you're not going to bail on me again and I need you to stand up and and look after me. And I said, look, we either get married or we don't. What's it going to be? So I guess in a way I gave him that ultimatum to make um, just because I know myself too well that I could not have sat around for another year and have kept going like it was. I thought it's going to be all on or it's all off and that's just the type of person that I am. And so when I said that, he said, okay, I think it has to be all off. Yeah, and you could kind of sense this this thing we had not talked about was now in the open and it was ending. Um, so when he said that, I just I just got really, really angry. I got really angry. He wasn't angry. He was I think he was really scared of me. Um, not that I'm a scary person. But I think he was scared about what he was doing to me and um like, you know, he did love me and he didn't want to hurt me and I knew that was true. But he was hurting me and he didn't like that. So I remember I went in to take a big swing at him. Um, Luckily, he's bigger and stronger than me, so he easily stopped me. But I just broke down and I just collapsed onto the ground and was just a mess. And uh, I just didn't know. I don't even think. I don't remember what we said. I don't remember what was talked about. I do remember there was a lot of me just freaking out and just saying to him what are you doing why are you doing this and I said what are you going to tell my family and I think that was the biggest thing that I was really really scared about I knew I knew that my family would love me regardless but I just felt this was going to be a huge letdown to them and so I felt he owed it to them to man up and and be responsible for that um so eventually I was I think I just told him to to 
go away and leave me alone and I didn't didn't want to talk to him anymore so he did he left he left me sitting in the park all by myself can you remember what was going through your mind at that time when you were sitting on the the grass by yourself it's night time only a few meters from where we are right now like do you remember what was going through your through your mind I think I just couldn't really believe what was going on um I knew it was a big thing happening but I couldn't comprehend what it meant and watching him walk away I just thought wow this guy has just trampled all over me and I let him and I think I just felt like the biggest idiot yeah Grief is a strange thing. It's everywhere, but we we often don't see it because we harbour it in the deepest part of ourselves and we call it something else, or we just don't call it anything. When you think about grief, what do you think of? I know I think about death because it's just so in your face, but there's a lot of material out there that suggests we actually experience grief about a lot more than just death. According to psychologists, Grief can hit you when you lose an emotionally important image of yourself or a possibility of what might have been, plans for some future you had or when a dream dies. Thankfully, Em's mum had come to Melbourne on a train from the country to be with her that night, so she wasn't left by herself in the park for the whole time. The next few days and weeks, Em says she just kind of went into hibernation. And she actually didn't see Alex again for over a year. She says it was kind of like he suddenly didn't exist. It's a really bizarre feeling because on the one hand, you hate this person with every ounce of your being because of what they have done and the promises they've broken to you and the way they've just humiliated you in front of everybody. So there's that really strong hatred. But then on the other side, this is the person that is your best friend and... You love them in a way that's different from anyone else. Um, and they love you too. And so it's that bizarre feeling of really being pulled. And for a while it was really hard to sever those ties. Um, but I had some some people around me who said, just cut them, that it's not helping. And so I had some good friends that said every time you're tempted to talk to him or every time you want to tell him something, call us instead. So they got a lot of phone calls. Uh, Being a Christian at the time that all this happened, um, and I suppose your faith being a large part of the conflict between you and Alex, did your faith take a battering at that time? I think it did. I think because um, this... Like Alex had broken these promises that he had made to me. I felt really distrustful of lots of things. I felt distrustful of people and I felt distrustful of God and of what God had promised. And for a long time I felt angry at God because I thought, you know, why would you pick me to have this happen to? Why why didn't you pick that person who is stronger than I am and has a better faith than I have? Surely they could survive this and you know come out with some amazing testimony to share 
So I just I did not understand. But that's, you know, I was looking through a really small window. Yeah, I wasn't looking at the big picture. And, and that's okay because at the time, you know, just getting through day to day was what mattered. And it's only now that it's, you know, nearly two years later that I look back in hindsight and I see the protection that God did provide for me and the way that he was with me through every single step and the way that this was a part of his plan and how good things have come from it. What what has been the good that's come from this? There's been a few things that have come from it that I have been grateful for. Some things I'm still waiting for good to happen. I think my faith in God has now changed and, and matured and yeah, I look back now and I think I'm so thankful and grateful to God that he stopped that marriage from going ahead. You know, I'm just I'm so thankful because I know if it had of what an unhappy place I would be in. What a, and an unhappy place we'd both be in. But God's got a hand on things. If anything, that's what this might have taught me is that yeah, I need to loosen my grip of life let go and let God have a say yeah and when you think about Alex now um, how do you feel towards him it's a good question I think I flip back and forward a lot I feel like I feel quite at peace with what happened I do feel I have forgiven him for things that he said and did and and ways that he reacted and um and all that but there is this sense of sadness and um like I saw a photo of him not long ago and I thought wow who is that guy there was a time in my life when he was the closest friend that I ever had and now I look at that face and think I don't know him and he doesn't know me and how much life can change and move you on a person will remind me of him or a place will remind me of him. Or, for example, there was friends of ours that we shared who I couldn't see for, you know, a year without being reminding, reminded of him. And that was really hard for me and for them. Um, or, you know, I'm really hoping and praying that God will fix this in me. But every time I go to a wedding, I find that is a real reminder of what happened. Um and not even of, you know, wishing and praying, oh, I wish that was me. Not that, but more just feeling, oh, gosh, that was me. And feeling really silly about how far you nearly let things go. So I find that's a constant reminder, um, which I hope over time will change. Yeah. Em's been single since she broke up with Alex, something she's grown more comfortable with over time. Like most women, she looks forward to meeting someone in the future, but she says the whole experience of going through a broken engagement means she's way less tempted to view a relationship as the solution to life's problems. That's where I was. I was at that point. That's what I saw in him as well. And when God came and caused that to come crumbling down around me, it forced me to look at myself and at God in a different type of way. So I think what I would say to girls... It sounds so cliche, but be satisfied. Be satisfied with who God has called you to be. Um, love yourself. Don't compromise 
who you are. Don't let someone else compromise who you are and, and don't settle for something that's less than fantastic or, you know, if that means that you have to be single for a really long time or forever, well, then that's, you know, that's okay. And God never promises that he will provide a husband for everybody, but he does promise that he will provide for you. And the fact that he sent his son is really the ultimate gift that we've been given. And I think finding great peace and a surety in that rather than placing it in another person is really hard to do, but it's just such a valuable thing to learn. Anything worth That's M. Carter. You've been listening to The Spoken Project, produced by me, Sophie Giles. I'll catch you next time. The love is not a feeling, and neither thought the measure. The pain is only in your mind, but so to the pleasure. It's so terribly high.